I'm happy to be here uh, to be a, a speaker uh, during this week. And the scripture we're hanging out, and if you put up on, on, on the board here, uh, that sort of defines and frames what we're doing is this beautiful prayer by Paul for a group of people in a town called Philippi. And he prays this over them, and we're going to pray this together later on. So right now I'm just going to read the text. Later on, we're going to pray this together over one another. He says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. When I, as I've sat with this text, as I sat with the scripture coming into this this week, the, the phrase that kept jumping out at me was this one, is more and more. What Paul doesn't pray here is like, I hope that for this moment right now, just for now, that like you get everything you need just for now. What he prays is that that the work of Christ that is being established in you goes on more and more, that there's something for you tomorrow and then the day after. This is not about like getting everything right right now. It's about who you're becoming. It's about this long journey that you are at the front end of. And it's a gift to me to be here to play a tiny little part in this beautiful journey that you are part of. So I want to talk about the more and more part of this. Um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've got two kids. I have a six-year-old girl. Uh, her name is Caitlin. And I have a 13-year-old boy. And his name is Asa. And so this is a story about me and my son, Asa. Um, about, I don't know, let's see, he's 13 now. So he was three or so at the time of the story. Um, I took him to one of my favorite places in the world, which is about 16 miles from our house. And it's this place called Mount Diablo. That's Mount Diablo. And it's a picture of the mountain from, uh, like, just not too far from my house. I'm standing on my roof when I take this picture. Uh, and so I, I, the mountain, I, I grew up actually right there next to the mountain. It's, like I said, one of my favorite places. I went hiking and running with my dad. I've been up and down the mountain more times than I can count. And so as a dad, as a new dad, I was like, I'm going to take my son and we're going to go hiking on the mountain. And when I say, when I talk about taking my son hiking, I was doing the hiking. I did the hiking and he was in a backpack on my back eating cheese. That was his job was to just eat tons of cheese. And as I tromped, I'm I'm tromping up the hill, he's gnawing on cheese. That was actually what happened. But on the way out, as as we're, we're, we're heading out, I'm so excited, and I've been telling him for like a couple days, like we're gonna go hiking on the Saturday, we're going to the mountain, we're going to the mountain, going because I'm stoked about getting there. And on the drive out, Ace is sitting in the back seat in his car seat, and he's kicking the, the back of the seat. He's like, Dad, mountain, Dad, mountain, hike it. He's like so excited, and he can see them. I'm like, there, there's a mountain, we're going to it. And as we get closer to the mountain, the, like, the houses that are around the mountain. We're kind of in the valley and you can't see the mountain anymore. And it's like, where where mountain go? I'm like, it's there, buddy. It's, it's there. Probably. We're almost there. And then when we get to the mountain, we, we, we get to the place uh, with this little staging area. We park the car, get out, and I pick him up, put him in the backpack. And we start walking up Mitchell Canyon, which is one of the entrances to the mountain. And he gets real quiet. He stops chewing. And he goes, Dad. I said, yeah, buddy, what's up? He goes, where mountain go? Buddy, we're on, we're, on, we're on the mountain. He's like, no, Dad, where, where mountain go? No, buddy, this is it. We're here, I promise you. And he goes, no, no, Dad, 
wear a mouth. Like I stole it. You know what I mean? It's like what? Like what did I? It's in my pocket. Like what do you mean? Because the mountain doesn't look like a mountain when you're on it. It looks like a mountain from a long way away, but once you get there, it looks like 400 feet of dirt. Mountain doesn't look like a mountain when you're on it. Y'all with me? From a long way away, you see its peaks, you see all this terrain, and then once you get there, once you're actually up on the mountain, it doesn't look like this majestic thing anymore. It looks like this. It looks like climbing. It looks like and it feels like work. When Paul writes this prayer, that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is what more and more looks like. The journey you're on, watch me say it real quick. The journey you're on, the process you're in, will not always be inspiring. Someone say amen. It's not always going to be inspiring. And the vision you might have or the things you think, the way you think it might work, it's going to change. And when you get there, it's going to feel like and it's going to look like work. And it's really easy for us when we get into the actual process of becoming disciples of Jesus and being disciples of Jesus, it's really easy for us to get really disillusioned and frustrated that there's work to be done and it looks more like this and then it's not inspiring. So this morning, I want to encourage you with a few principles, some, some kind of guideposts so that on your journey, you can look up and recognize you are in, first and foremost, you're in really good hands with Christ and you're in really good hands with the people around you and that there is glory in your future, but as you're in it, it's gonna look and feel a little bit like this. You all ready to go? So let's go to the next frame here. This is one of my favorite places to climb. It's actually, uh, it's in Colorado, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a one mile stretch that goes like straight up. It's called Manitou or Manitou Incline. It's brutal. Uh, and I, I, I wrote in my journal as I was climbing up this, this incline not too long ago about like the principles that I, like if this is what life feels like what do I need in order to get where I'm hoping to go and here's one of the first principles if you go here the first little frame here is on your journey go with God's word and here's what I don't mean I don't mean just have a bible with you and know that you read Matthew Mark Luke and John and studied it when you were in junior high here's what I mean in different seasons of your life the word of God will speak to you in that season in a way it didn't in the previous season. Any of the adults in the room with me? When we, when we engage with, when we, when we read the word of God, it is not like any other textbook. This is not like something. It's not like learning a science book. It's not like learning an English book. It's not like remembering a story. The word of God, says Paul, is active and alive. Y'all say active and alive. Which means when you read the Bible, you are engaging in a conversation with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. And in different seasons of your life, you will hear and receive different things from the word for that season. So in other words, the word of God, as it comes with you, serves a little bit like a roadmap. People will talk about the roadmap. The Bible is like a roadmap. And I think sometimes when we say the Bible is a roadmap, we have this notion that, that as a roadmap like we, get, we know how to get from here to here. But what I've learned over the course of time, hiking and driving and getting lost, is that the most important part of a map, if the Bible is like a map at all, it's, a, it's like a map in this way. The most important part of, ling, of engaging with and reading a map is being able to find yourself on the map. Someone say amen. 
So I can point at the end and be like, I want to get here, but I don't know how to get here if I don't know where I am on the map. And what the scriptures do is in a different season of your life, when you're in high school, when you're in college, if you choose to go to college, if you get married, if you don't get married, if you have kids or don't have kids, in different seasons, your 30s, your 40s, the most important thing that you'll end up having in engagement with the scriptures is it will help you locate yourself in the story of God as it's being lived out. Where am I? The Word of God will help you establish that. But that means you have to read it in the next season and not just count on how you read it when you were 12 to help you when you were 26. Someone say amen. Go with the Word of God. Carry the Scriptures with you and come back to the Word of God. Don't count on, this is a thing I remembered when I was 13. This is a thing I remember when I was 10. That was then. Talk to Jesus later when you're out further on the trail. Amen? So go with the word of God. Second piece is this one. Go with other people. Jesus gathered people around him. And I think he did that not just because he was trying to train them so that there would be a church, but so he, they, he through them would bear witness to us that this is the way life is lived in its full, is we share it with other people. So here's a quick story. When I was uh, in my early 20s, um, my roommate and I had made some friends who lived in Tacoma, Washington. We live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we made this plan, I think it was on a Thursday, that on that Saturday we would drive to Tacoma, Washington. That's a long way. We didn't know that when we set out because we didn't own a map. We didn't have maps. We also didn't have phones. We had no cell phones, so there was no GPS at the time. We had no map. So we just decided, all we knew about this trip was that Tacoma, Washington was north. That's all we knew. So I said, we're going to get on the road, and we're just going to head north. And that was it. We started driving, and the plan was we didn't have money to get, like, a hotel or anything, so we, had, we, we borrowed, borrowed uh, his brother's camping equipment. We told him about that later. Uh, but we borrowed some camping equipment. And the plan was that when we got to Oregon and we, we kind of found a campground, we would go camping. But we didn't have a map to tell us where the campgrounds were. So the idea was like, we'll just find a comp campground. Like once there are lots of trees, we'll see campgrounds. Turns out there's lots of trees in Oregon and we just kept driving. And it's getting darker and darker. We're getting tired. We just kept heading north. And at some point, like we're, we're exhausted. We gotta, we gotta do something. And we see finally, like 10 o'clock at night, there's this campground, this sign for campground. We pull off the road. We pull into this lot. As we're driving around the lot, like there's no one around. There are, there are tents. There are like smoke from fires recently built. There's a trailer. There's no one there. There are, though, tons of rabbits. Lots of them. And so we start to get weirded out. We're driving really slowly so as to not run over a rabbit because that would make this story gross. When we get to the front to go ask some questions and I go to open, I go to knock on the kiosk, a little wooden kiosk where the person who runs the campground would normally be and there's no one in there, but there are two rabbits inside. And so we left in terror and drove in silence because we knew what had happened. All those people had become rabbits and we had been exposed to whatever airborne toxin and we just kept driving until dawn because we were so scared about what might have happened and pulled over and slept in a car on the side of the road. Now, here's the deal. 
moments like that. I get to this place. I don't know where I'm going. I pull over. I'm scared. And the reason I kept going north is because I had someone with me. Someone say amen. When you get scared, when it gets hard, one of the reasons we keep going is because there's someone with us and we've got some of their strength to get us into the next step. When we travel on our own, things are scarier. Someone say amen. Take someone with you. And when someone invites you, go with them. Not just anyone, and we'll talk more about that later on, but also make sure you include you go with other people. Older people. Go with older people. Real quick, um, one of the gifts of my being here the last couple of days is getting to know the adults who are teaching here and who run these programs and pastor here. And man, I keep saying this, these folks, honest to goodness, really love you. So could you, for just a moment, put your hands together and say thank you to these adults who are spending their time, their energy, and their talent to be present to you because it is an absolutely incredible gift. It is an absolutely priceless gift to have adults in your life. And you'll need them going forward. So now I'm going to put a challenge you. Now that we've thanked and blessed the adults, I'm going to put a challenge on you that challenges them. Ready? As time goes on, don't even ask. Just reach out and say, hey, you were my teacher when I was however old. I needed a little advice. Just call. Just email. Reach out and be bold and say, you promised me in some way, shape, or form that you cared about me in my long-term journey. Reach out and challenge these adults to actually be part of your life as it progresses. Y'all with me? There's this weird narrative in culture that kids don't like adults around. You and I both know that that's mostly humorous and it's not really true. What we want to know is that the adults in our lives are going to help us and not judge us. Y'all with me? That's what we want. So be that voice in the adults' lives that says, I need your help right now. I don't want you to judge me. I just need your help. And take some older people with you on your journey. Quick story. It's about my buddy Frank. Um, when I was, uh, again, in my early 20s, a lot happened in my early 20s, uh, I moved into a household owned by this guy, Frank. Frank is quite a bit older than I am, and, and I was just playing music in the living room one night, and he came and he said, hey, um, what are you doing with your life? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about teaching, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna do youth ministry. He goes, you ever thought about playing music for a living? I was like, what? Now, Frank runs a record label. I was like, dude, you serious? He goes, yeah. You, th you ever thought about it? I was like, um, not really. He goes, well, you ought to think about it. I said, yeah, you think the songs are good? He goes, no, the songs are bad. But I like you. I was like, thank you? What? Fast forward several months later, and I'm, I'm at this the music showcase in, this, in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and, and Frank Tate has brought me there, and all these other people who are you know, record label executives are introducing their bands. And I'm watching these, these people who run record labels stand up and say, the artist you're about to see is the best thing to ever happen in music, and she's going to change the world. And the artists would play, and people would clap. And then Frank got up on the stage, and he said exactly this. He said, behind me is Justin McRoberts. He's the artist that we'll be focusing on this year, and um, I'll be honest, he's not very good. <laughs> I'm standing behind him, holding a guitar, waiting to play a song. And then he says this. But... I'd be willing to bet that most of the artists you've seen this morning probably won't be making music two or three years from now because this is a hard journey. 
I think Justin will be around 15 or 20 years from now, and I think that stuff's going to be really good. So I'm making a long-term investment. If you want to make it with me, great. If you don't, I don't care. And then he walked off. <laughs> and I was like, hi, you're going to not like this song. I'm going to play it anyways. It was a terrible song. It really was. But Frank was further down the road in life, and what I needed at the time is I needed someone to say that, it, that it's going to be hard, but I'll be with you when you get there. Someone say amen. It takes having adults in your life to reassure you because you will need reassurance that Christ is on the other, Jesus Christ is on the other side of every single crisis and dilemma, every dark season, every deep valley. Jesus Christ is on the other side. That is hard to believe if you are by yourself and you don't know that there's someone on the other side. Adults in your lives have been on the other side of the valleys you're approaching. Have those folks in your life that they might call you from the other side of that valley to say, I know what you're facing right now. I know it's hard. I'm telling you, if you keep going, you'll meet me here and Jesus will meet you too. So take adults with you. Next piece. Go one step at a time. This might be the, the, the kind of the, the heartbeat of this message for you. Uh, your world so fundamentally different than the one I grew up in, is chock full of information. You guys get pelted with stories and urgencies and information so regularly. I didn't grow up with the kind of barrage of story and information and urgency that you do. There is so much knowledge coming at you. And one of the things we can feel when we hear all this information about things happening in Gaza and things happening in Atlanta and things happening all over the world, we can feel like we're supposed to know everything and care about everything and do everything and be right about everything. I want to encourage you in something. It is enough for you to just take care of the steps right in front of you. That's it. I just want to encourage you in this. There are questions being thrown at you at your age by the cultures around you that you are not prepared to answer, and that's okay. You don't have to. I only, I only want you to be faithful to the things that you know, faithful to the things that the, the loving adults around you are, are asking you to do, and just take care of the steps right in front of you. You are not responsible for absolutely everything. You're not responsible for getting everything right, and you're certainly not responsible for ha to have an answer for every question the cultures around you are gonna ask. Y'all with me? There are things, say, there are things I do not know. And that's okay. It really is. That was good. You kept going. Um, so, so here's a text. You can stop now. So here's a text that, that, that solidifies this for me. Matthew 14. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And then this scene right here. Next. Surely, I'm sorry, shortly before the dawn, uh, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus. Uh, uh, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, 
and came toward Jesus. Now watch this. But when he saw the wind and he was afraid, but then he saw the wind and he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I want you to notice two things right here. First and foremost, let's work backwards. If and when you falter and you cry out, he will get you. Someone say amen. If, if and when you falter and you cry out, he will get you. Every time, forever, no matter what. It's 100% true. But I want you to notice where Peter loses it. That Jesus asked him to come and step on the water. Is it not enough <laughs> to put your feet on the water, pay attention to the steps in front of you, and keep your eyes on Jesus? What Peter does is he lifts his eyes up, and he's paying attention to the wind and the waves. He's paying attention to the storm. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, and I'm praying for you that you might just feel peace and just paying attention to the ground beneath your feet and Jesus. It is enough to be small and simple and just do the steps in front of you. Last piece here. Go with God's word. Nope, come back. Go with God's word. Go with other people. Go with older people and go one step at a time. In a few minutes, uh, a couple things are going to happen. We're going to pray together to wrap this session up. Then the band's going to come up and we're going to have some time to respond. And after that, you're going to get into groups. You're going to be together and you get a chance to debrief and talk through some of this. Here's some of the stuff I want you to think through. Specifically, when we talk about going with other people, and, and going with older people. What I want you to do is you got a journal out, then you like maybe keep, write this down. If you have a good memory, then, then lock this in. Cause I'd love for you to process this out with some friends in a few minutes. When we talk about going with other people, who? Don't just say I have friends. I would love for you to name some names. Who are some of the people in your life that you want to journey with? You would like, if you've got to go on an adventure, name some names. Who do you want? To be like, who do you want to go on adventures with? Name names and offer those to Christ. Who are the older people in your life that first and foremost you could be thankful for? Name names. I'm so thankful for her. I'm so thankful for him. Actually name names and make this real and intentionalize those things. And lastly, going with God's word. Where is it? that you are actually engaging regularly with the word of God and study and in practice with a community of people. Name that. I go to a Bible study in these nights. I do this at my church or I do it here. I just want you to spend some time getting specific about these things. So these are not just ideas. These are practices that hold you in place as your life goes along. Y'all with me? Let's close it out this way as the band makes their way up here. Will you stand please? Um, and we're going to, you, if you have something in your hands, you can take it, just drop it, and put it on the seat. And this is what I want to do. This is how I'd like to wrap this up. This is a prayer that Paul wrote over a community of people. It's so important for us to recognize that Paul didn't write letters almost ever to just individuals. Like it happened on occasion, but even those individuals were leading communities. Almost everything about the scriptures is written about four and two communities of people. So when we read this together right now, we're going to read this together out loud. We're going to do as best we can. In your heart and in your mind, I want you to pray this not just for yourself, but also for the people around you, that this would be true of us. So let us pray through this together. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more 
in knowledge and depth of insight that you may what is best I'm just going from one to four to one so the four. days filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen.